Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. It was a miserable start to the day, but it certainly has turned out quite nice and the forecast is for sunshine throughout uh, the afternoon. Peter Dowdle, uh, uh joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. I'm fed up with the storms, Trish. We've had enough of them. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned now, the good weather can begin now. And the weather Anytime can change now. so quickly, can't it? I, but that is typically March weather, isn't it? It can go it from is. being a lovely it's spring day to gale force winds blowing. It's kind of really changing of the season weather, isn't it? Hopefully, hopefully we're, we're out the other end of the storms because they were pretty severe this year. Well, this time last year, we were, or this time two years ago, we were in the grips of Storm Emma and the snow. We were under... The, the, that beast from the east, was yeah, it? Yeah, we had a load of... Because it came up on my, on my Facebook feed. I'd, I'd walked to work on the 2nd of March two years ago because the whole country came to a standstill with the snow. It was a Friday. And so, we, yeah, we had all the snow. So at least it hasn't been as bad. We've had these right, storms, but the, we haven't had the, stor- the snow. I better not moan. So no, not no. Moan. OK, yeah. straight into questions. Mary in Crookstown got out in the garden this week. She said, I deadheaded the hydrangeas during the week. Did I do the right thing? Mary did do the right thing, absolutely. End of January, start of March, or sorry, end of February, start of March. Definitely the right time you'd want to be doing your... If they're not done now, I would get out and do them, certainly, yeah. Certainly. Jer, Jer in Drumahan says, Could you ask Peter, is it essential to dig a trench when planting beach hedging? He's planting 100 metres of it. He's hoping to make a hole with a stake and just stick each plant in. Would that work? Yes, is the short answer. I'm presuming he's planting them from the way he's describing it. I'm presuming that he's an, or plant, planting them uh, bare root, that they're not potted, that they're just bundles of, of bare root plants. Uh, and absolutely, yeah. What you can do, if you can, if you can picture it, if you if you stick your spade into the ground, push the sp- down the required depth, and then push it forward, and then you can actually just slot the plant in that gap behind the spade, uh, and and then take out the spade. So that's probably your easiest way of doing it. Uh, you don't need to um, to dig a trench as such. Sometimes it's easier if you're putting them in very thick and heavy. And with beet, you would probably want about fifty centimeters or eighteen inches spacing. Uh, so there will be quite a lot. So it, sometimes it can be easier to take a trench. If it's not easier, then no, there's no need. Okay. Um, Mara says, uh, question for Peter, please. I have geranium plants that are still surviving. Could I cut them back so that they'll thrive next summer? Or what would be the general advice? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and geraniums, like we always say, or, or I always say, Trish, when we're coming towards the end of the year, kind of September, October time, it's time to move the geraniums in, the frost tender ones, because they need to come in for the winter. But as I always say then in the next sentence, I don't always get around to doing it because yeah. I'm, I'm a lazy gardener myself. But uh, yeah, and mine might have survived outside as well this year and last year, actually. I'll tell you how, how uh, errant I've been. But yeah, I then I cut them back. I put them into a bigger pot and cut them back. Uh, I'll probably do it towards the end of March as the temperatures are beginning to warm up. 
Um, and yeah, you'll get much bushier. If you don't cut them back, they'll be quite leggy and woody. They'll still flower away for you, but they'll be much better shape if you cut them back. But just bear in mind, when you are cutting them back, they might have gone a bit leggy already. So don't remove all the foliage. You can cut them back quite hard, but do make sure that you're leaving foliage beneath your cut. And that will, will uh, force the lateral buds then that are dormant at the moment. It will force them to come into growth. Staying on taking things in over winter, Michael in Bantry says, Morning Peter, the plant angel's trumpet, do you need to bring them in over winter? I don't know angel's trumpet by that name. Uh, I thought maybe you were going to say angel's fishing rod. Angel's trumpet, I'm not sure. So if he can come back with the, the correct the actual name, name yeah. then, then uh, definitely I could have a look at it. And just as regards the, um, the, the geraniums with the last question, yeah. We're not out of the woods yet. Okay. <laughs> I should have finished it by saying that. It is, it's still only March. As you said, two years ago, we were in freezing conditions. Yeah. Uh, I ho- I'd hope we're not, but there's nothing to say that next week or in two weeks' time, we don't get another beast from the east. So if that does happen, you will still have to give it frost protection. I'm just wondering, when he's talking about Angel's Trumpet, he could be talking about the Datura, which is, uh, it's got several common names. And I think from memory, Angel's Trumpet is one of them, which is, depending on which variety he has, what was the question? Should he bring it should in? He bring, should he bring it in? Now, he obviously didn't, and he's wondering now, should he have had, I'm assuming? Well, again, it would be like the geranium. If it is that tour that he's talking about, uh, you would bring that tourist in for the winter, depending on where you're living. So if you're in the middle of North County Cork, where it would get quite a bit colder than down here in the city, uh, I nearly would protect them. Uh, the yellow and the kind of yellowy-white flowering creamy-coloured one is much hardier, and if it's in a good shelter position, should be okay. But any of the, the kind of pink or, or any of the other colours uh, would need protection, I would say. But you've got this far without bringing it in, so same as with the geranium, unless we get a hard frost now in, in, in March, you're, you're nearly out the other end, but not quite. Okay, and then, hi Patricia and Peter. Could you ask Peter, please, I found two bags of dwarf daffs in my garage. Completely forgot I had them there. Do I dump them or I just dig a hole and put them in and hope for the best? That's what I, <laughs> I, I know what you were going to say, hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. once they're firm, they'll be fine, won't they? Correct, absolutely. Yeah. If, they're, if they're gone anyway soft or squishy, they're, they're no, no good. So I would dig a hole and hope for the best, but I would just do one more thing. I wouldn't put them all in. So do just check. You could, sorry, you can put them all in, but I wouldn't necessarily. So you see, if there's one, it's a bit like a, a rotten apple in a fruit bowl. It'll spread to the rest of them. So if one of the bulbs is rotten or going soft, that if it's touching the other ones, it will spread to them. So if there's if if the, if many of them are firm uh, and still fine, absolutely plant away. But if there's any of them that are soft or look like any signs of rotting, throw them out. Yeah, because and this question comes up every year. I'm seeing gorgeous daffodils, and I forgot to plant mine. Is uh-huh. it too late? Uh, you, you wouldn't get daffodil bulbs now, would you? You, wouldn't, you no. wouldn't get daffodil bulbs, and really, the only reason I'm advising that person to plant them is for to have the bulb them alive, exactly, yeah. and to keep it alive. It's not really going to come to anything this year, but you'll have them for next year. So, no, you won't get daffodil bulbs. But what you will get in garden centres throughout the land is pots of daffodils growing. So it's not too late to plant them. But of course, you'll pay four or five euros now for a pot full of daffodils growing that would have cost you 50 cents in the autumn so, um, but you can get them though yeah Okay Mary in Skibbereen gooseberry and blackberry bushes uh, she didn't get to trim them this year is it too late to prune now? March gooseberries and blackberries I would say trim them but I wouldn't give them a hard pruning now but you could trim them yeah And Bridget in Mallow has a rubber plant that's growing after growing out of all proportion could I cut it in half or would that just simply kill it? won't kill it but it'll come up again the only solution here is either move house I'm afraid um, <laughs> into a bigger house 
Uh, the rubber plant will just keep growing. It's a house plant, an indoor plant, and they are lovely, lovely foliage plant, but they do grow and grow and grow. So cutting it as in half, well, I, I, I don't want to say straight out it won't kill it. There is a risk, obviously, but it's a bit like when I was talking with the geranium. If you don't, you must make sure that you leave some foliage below your cut. So in other words, I wouldn't remove all or even 80 or 90% of the foliage. I would make sure I'm leaving maybe half the foliage on it. So in other words, if the bottom half of the plant has just as much leaf as the top half, then you should be safe enough. But if the bottom half is all stems and stalks and all the leaf is up on top, well, then don't remove all the leaves, no. Uh, what will happen by cutting it back in half like that or cutting it back hard like that, you will, again, similar to when I was talking about the geranium, you will uh, be be forcing, if you like, those side shoots, the lateral buds to come into growth, which will lead to a more bushy plant, but uh, it, it will constantly, it, it just, it's a quick-growing plant that always grows up, so it just gets big, I'm afraid, but cut it back and you'll certainly get an extra couple of years out of it. Okay, I don't know whether you're going to have a view on this or not, but this is it. Could you ask Peter, what's his view on artificial grass? I have a small back garden, and I'm thinking of getting artificial grass this year. It's a very sheltered gra- garden, and grass never grows properly there. I'd have, a, I'd have a view on everything. I thought you were going to ask me about the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going down that route. No, uh, no, are no, you, no, Are you dead against artificial grass? I'm hesitating. Okay. Because, yes, I am, because it's plastic. So, okay. On the one hand, absolutely, yes, I am. On the other hand, I have to be honest, and if, if a design client of mine has, has a situation like they're describing there and they want to use artificial grass, I will use it, so I'm not a saint. Uh, but I would, I would, I would never use it in my own garden. It is plastic that you're putting into the garden. Why? And it has know? improved. Oh, quality I mean, it was it dreadful when it first came out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Visually, it looks excellent. Uh, visually, it can look absolutely the real thing. Um, I mean, it's not the end of the world. You're you're putting in a bit of plastic matting into the garden. It's just, you know, underneath that plastic matting, then all the earthworm activity ceases because they can't do their job. So it's not a brilliant product we're putting into the garden. But visually. Yeah, visually it can look excellent, but no, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Okay, but in in a case like that, where very sheltered air and the grass isn't growing, I look maybe some shade tolerant plants, maybe some, yeah. some plants that like shade, even blue. But depending on how much shade it's getting, if it's deciduous trees, then an awful lot of the very early spring flowering bulbs will thrive, like bluebells and early daffs, because they like that um, high levels of sunlight over the winter but then they get a lot of the shade during the summer from the tree. If it's a deciduous tree, if their conifers causing the shade, it's a very, very difficult area to mm. put in something. But even even a, 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 in a deciduous one, if you look for a kind of, uh, even a wildflower seed mix, and you'll get one suitable for shade, you could try that. Much, much nicer and much, much more beneficial than the, the artificial grass. Okay, Noel wants to know, should I feed red robin now? And if so, with what? I would feed red robin now. I'd feed, you're coming into March, we're in March rather, we're coming into the, the growing time of the year, so feeding all that kind of thing would be um, would be beneficial now. Um, I would feed it with something like the Nature Safe, the Nature Safe granule or the Nature Safe liquid. Uh, they're both very good plant foods. They're totally plant-based, totally organic, uh, and I've been using them now for about two or three years. It's an Irish product, and I find it very, very good as a general purpose fertiliser. Someone says, are bee bombs any good and any tips? What's a bee bomb? A bee bomb is a seed bomb. So a seed bomb is an old uh, development from the days of guerrilla gardening. So what guerrilla gardening was is when you you, you get teams of of well-intentioned people. Uh, I've done my own fair share of guerrilla gardening over the years uh, where you'd, you'd go to 
particularly in urban areas where you'd go to derelict sites and derelict green patches and, and either go in and do something in the dead of night and replace it. Uh, it's gorilla as in not the animal gorilla. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Gorilla tactics. Uh, and you'd go in under cover of darkness and, and kind of replant an area where nobody's watching kind of thing. And bee bombs or seed bombs are a way where you just throw in a, a bomb like a hand grenade. So it's, it's, it's clay, it's dried clay with seeds in it. And then over the, the next number of weeks and months, that clay disintegrates in the weather and the seeds go into the soil. Wow. So it sounds great. It sounds great. Yeah. Two, thing, two things, I would say, with seed bombs. Uh, number one, you, it's, it's kind of important that we make sure the seeds are native, that it's na- a native seed bomb, and many of them are. Uh, but the second thing is, you do have to be careful where you put it. Like, there's no point throwing it on a, on a grassy patch because the seeds need to make contact with soil to germinate. So just throwing a seed bomb onto a grassy verge or something like that is just a waste of time and money. So if you if you prepare the ground by removing existing vegetation so you're exposing the soil and put in a seed bomb, then absolutely they're great. But I would say it's actually better, maybe less fun, but better just to, to scatter some wildflower seed without the, the bomb part of it because you'll get a better coverage. Okay, all right. Uh, Margaret in Derrin Agree. A liquid feed, please, for my roses. What would you recommend? Goulding's do an excellent uh, rose feed, liquid rose feed. And I think that's probably about the best of all of them, to be honest. Goulding's tomato feed and Goulding's rose feed are two excellent feeds that I would look for. Okay. All right, we'll leave it there. Are you, any talks coming up or are you? We, we had Formoy last night to kick off the, 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 the time of the year. I, I, yeah. I, I was saying, I always think it's, uh, the season really kicks off when I spend more time talking about gardening than actually gardening. <laughs> so we kicked off from Formoy last night and a very busy, great, great night there, actually. Brilliant. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, we'll talk next week. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Peter Dowdell, the Irishgardener.com.